Welcome back to another episode of the SQ Sports Podcast. It's a Monday afternoon. Um, coming off a pretty good weekend uh, of football. We had a decent college football slate. The college football playoff picture is starting to shape in itself. Though there still could be uh, some mix-up in, the ne- in these next couple weeks. Uh, we had one of the best NFL slates of the season so far, so we will deep dive into that. Um, then I'll finish it up with some pretenders and contenders in the NFL. And instead of NFL power rankings this week, I'm going to do uh, top 10 college football power rankings. Uh, so let's dive right into it. What is going on, people? Join me on this Monday afternoon. Um, a great NFL Sunday. We had some of the best matchups of the season. Goat versus Goat, which was a joke. Um, and We'll get into that later. Uh, we had the Saints and the Rams. What a game there. We had the, the Nathan Peterman show. Um, just a lot to get into. We'll, we'll break it down. I'll break it down game by game. Um, we'll start with the Thursday night football game. Probably seems like an eternity ago. Um, I bet the Raiders, and then the Raiders went out there and lost by 31 points. Nick Mullins out of Southern Miss. Apparently this dude's broken like every record that Brett Favre ever set there. He's a real gunslinger. Um, listening to all his after-game um, interviews. Seems like a really likable guy, humble guy. Um, he threw for 262 yards and three touchdowns in the 49ers, 34-3 win. What this just really tells me is Kyle Shanahan is the true QB whisper. I know John Gruden for years um, when he was on ESPN had that, had that show segment, whatever it was called, where he would talk with and run through scenarios with um, college quarterbacks that were declaring for the draft. And everyone was like, oh, Gruden's a QB guy. Uh, Gruden's going to go in there and turn Carr back into that MVP season he was having before he broke his leg. But no, Kyle Shanahan is a true QB guru. Did it with RG3. Did it with Matt Ryan. Did it with Jimmy G. Did it with CJ Beathard. Now he did it at least for one game with uh, Nick Mullins. So um, it'll be interesting to see how many how many uh, draft picks the Niners are going to are going to get for this guy. Um, no, but in all seriousness, uh, great performance. Um, I'm pretty sure C.J. Beathard is pretty banged up, so I think Mullins could get some more starts out of this. Um, either way, though, the, the 49ers, uh, because of the Jimmy G injury and the Jarek McKinnon injury, uh, are not obviously competing for a playoff spot, but it just shows that they should have full confidence in their guy, Kyle Shanahan, because um, he knows what he's doing, that's for sure. So uh, definitely a positive sign for the Niners. As for the Raiders, absolutely awful. Um I think it's gotten to the point where they're just gonna lose every every week. They're gonna get blown out. They're gonna look. Uh, they're gonna get embarrassed. And John Gruden is basically preparing for three years down in the future. He wants to build this team his way, um, which obviously we've seen from all the trades that they've made. Um, 
And the interesting part will be if they keep Derek Carr or not. I think they will. Um, but, I mean, it hasn't looked pretty so far with Gruden. So uh, the Raiders, just an absolute dumpster fire. We'll see if they can get it figured out before they go to L.A. in two years. But um, can't say for certain that they will. So uh, second game of the week we'll talk about Chicago-Buffalo. The Bears won 41-9 in Buffalo. Nathan Peterman was a starter because Josh Allen got an elbow injury. Derek Anderson, concussion protocol. Peterman actually didn't play terrible. Um, he completed 31 of 49 passes. Uh, he just threw three interceptions. I mean, typical Nate Peterman. The funniest stat of the day was he raised his passer rating after throwing. He raised his career passer rating after he threw zero touchdowns and three interceptions. That's just freaking wild. Um, the Bills actually had uh, double the first downs as the Bears did throughout the whole game. They had uh, like 100 more yards than the Bears did. Uh, the Bears only had 190 total yards, so that's kind of, that's 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 a good sign for this Sean McDermott defense. Um, Tremaine Edwins, uh, the first rounder they got out of VTech, the linebacker last year. They got a, they got a lot of young talent on the Bills defense. Sean McDermott's a defensive guy, so I know 41 points looks bad, uh, but the Bill or the Bears did have two defensive touchdowns. They were set up in plus territory many times because Buffalo turned the ball over four times. So um, for this McDermott defense to only give up 190 yards, Trubisky was only completing passes at like 50% clip. Uh, that's, that's something the Bills can take away for sure. But until they get um, a guy other than Nathan Peterman on the field, this team has no chance to compete whatsoever. Uh, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay. Uh, Carolina won 42-28. Uh, Cam Newton, 19 for 25. Again, that's his his completion percentage is just through the roof this season compared to previous years. Norv Turner is working wonders with him. Um, Cam Newton, had, like I said, 19 for 25, 247, and two touchdowns. Basically, what Norv Turner is doing is he's make he's almost coaching Cam as if not intellectually wise, but schematically wise. Put it this way. He's coaching Cam as if he was like a rookie, where you want to, you want to. If you're a rookie quarterback, the O coordinator wants to get the guy in rhythm. He wants to get it out quick. He wants to give it to his playmakers in space, and that's what they've been doing. I mean, Curtis Samuel, the rookie out of Ohio State, DJ, or second year out of Ohio State, DJ Moore, the rookie out of Maryland, and obviously Christian McCaffrey, second year. Um, these are just three explosive playmakers, and they've been running running a lot of bubble screens. Um, and they're just getting the ball in these guys' hands and letting them make plays, running a lot of trickeration, uh, which led to them putting up 35 first-half points on the the Bucks. So um, kudos to Carolina. I like what they're doing, and I think they've they've come out of that where they're now they're a dark horse. I think they're now um, a real contender uh, in the NFC. Uh, next game we'll talk about it: the Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns. Kansas City uh, topped the Browns 37-21. to Patrick Mahomes, just another 375, three-touchdown game for him. Um, the Chiefs offense is obviously, I think it's the sixth straight game. They've put up 30-plus points, and they've put up 30-plus points in all but one game in the season. Um, they're, they're playing out of this world. I mean, with the weapons like Hunt, Kelsey, Tyree Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and you got Mahomes at quarterback, what can you expect? If you're going to beat this Chiefs team, I'm... 
I know that like the Patriots outscored them, and you're going to have to score probably 30-plus to beat them. But you're going to have to shut down these weapons somehow, some way, at least limit them. You can't let them just streak down the field two-minute touchdown drives. That can't happen. Um, I'm not a defensive mastermind, so I can't tell you the best way to stop them. But you, you're not gonna, if you get into a shootout, you're going to be hard-pressed to beat the Chiefs. On the other side of that, um, Nick Chubb is legit. Uh, the Browns traded Carlos Hyde through like two and a half weeks ago in three games where Chubb has been the featured back. He's got 58 carries, 230 yards, four yards per carry, two touchdowns. Um, he's, he's a bruising back. Give it to him. Let him run it up the middle. Let him run people over instead of run by people. Um, and as you can tell, 58 carries in three games is about 20 carries a game. They're, they're, they're giving, giving the ball to him um, a lot. So uh, Cleveland's actually on a big losing streak now, though. I remember they're, they're I think, four in a row now. They're two, six, and one. Um, they sit by far at the bottom of the AFC North and um, are the third worst team in the AFC. I think it's all what we expected. I think that quick start um, with a couple wins they had, all the overtime games they were going to, I think that that kind of got people's hopes a little high for this team. They are set up good for the future, though, with all the young talent they have. So, um, The Jets-Miami, probably the stinker of the weekend. The Dolphins topped the Jets 13-6. to Sam Darnold is really um, starting to struggle. Uh, he threw four interceptions, zero touchdowns. He's been struggling over the past couple weeks. I was attributing, attributing most of his struggles to the poor offensive line, the lack of running game, and the lack of weapons he has, which all those concerns are still there. And if you watch a Jets game, he has no time to do anything. He's out of the pocket within seconds. Um, but Donald is just making some bad decisions, making some bad throws, forcing it into spots where there's not really anything there. Uh, so I think it goes goes a little bit both ways. And I think this Donald learning curve and process is going to take a little longer than people think. Uh, you got to remember this guy only played 30 games um, as a starting quarterback in college. So um, I think the, I think the learning process, learning curve is going to be a little bit a little bit longer than people thought. I, I know a lot of people expected Donald to be the guy that would come right in and just light it up. Uh, but, of course, he hasn't done that yet. He has shown his flashes, however. Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically, Darnold threw a pick six in the fourth. That was probably the difference in the – I mean, it was a difference in the game. But, I mean, it was – I'll read off the uh, first-half possessions. Four straight punts to start the game. Then Darnold threw an interception. The Dolphins kicked a field goal. Three more punts. Dolphins kicked another field goal. Jets kicked a field goal, so – just just not a fun game to watch. And I mean the Dolphins did move to five and four. They do sit, I think, one like a half game out of a playoff spot right now, so and that's without Ryan Tannehill. Um, they got a good run game, good mix with Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and Adam Gase has his defense playing great, so I don't think the Dolphins are gonna make the playoffs, but they currently are kinda in the mix. Um Pittsburgh-Baltimore, this is a big, big, big game. Um, Pittsburgh came in at 4-2-1, Baltimore at 4-4. Four four. Baltimore's reeling a little bit. Pittsburgh's been playing well of late. Uh, they're kind of two teams going in opposite directions. So this game was at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. So I thought Baltimore would have the slight advantage. They were favored by two points. Pittsburgh took it to them, 123-16. Um, James Conner. James Conner is no Le'Veon Bell. Okay, I know he's setting records that Le'Veon... 
ha- didn't have, and he's doing things that Le'Veon hasn't done. But they're two completely different backs. I feel like, to a sense, the Steelers are kind of force-feeding him the ball just to kind of stick it to Le'Veon. Because um, Connor is getting about 30, to 30 touches a game. I mean, this weekend he had 31 touches. Granted, to his credit, he had 163 yards. So it's not like he's being inefficient. Um, however, Le'Veon is a way better runner than him. But you cannot hate on Connor. It will be interesting, though, when Week 11 rolls around and Le'Veon is back in the building, what will happen? Will it be a 50-50 workload? Will Le'Veon get 80-20? Will Connor get 80-20? Um, it is all up in the air, uh, and that will be an interesting storyline to follow for sure. Um, the Ravens, their, their issue has just been no running game. I mean, Alex Collins, uh, Buck Allen haven't been getting it going. Uh, Lamar Jackson really hasn't provided the spark that he was at the beginning of the season. In this game, they had 16 carries for uh, 61 yards, so that's not going to get the job done um, against the Steelers, that's for sure. Uh, flip it over to Detroit, where the Minnesota Vikings went in um, to Detroit and won 24-9 uh, pretty handily. Dalvin Cook getting over injury at a 70-yard run. Um, him and Latavius Murray both had 10 carries each, so Cook is still recovering from that hammy injury. They're slowly working him back in the mix, but that 170-yard explosive run looked like he still has that explosiveness, which is obviously huge coming off a hamstring injury. Adam Thielen had by far his worst game of the season, only four catches, 22 yards on seven targets. So that 100-yard-per-game 100, 100 streak down to the wayside. Uh, but the Vikings' defense showed me that they are back, and I think the Vikings are going to start turning it up, turning it up, turning it up, and they're going to hit their stride um, once playoff time comes. They only gave, they gave up 265 yards and obviously nine points um, to the Lions. But yeah, like I said, this team is they're currently five three and one. The Bears lead the division at five and three, um, but the Vikings have a lot of games down the stretch where they can prove. And what which, what I think they will do is prove that they are in the top tier of the NFC. Um, they're heading into the bye, then they have a big game in Chicago after that, then they travel to Green Bay, at New England, at Seattle home against Miami, at Detroit, and then Chicago in the season. So a pretty tough schedule, but I think they're going to do well um, in those seven games. I would say five and two. Um, I had them f- five and two would be would be generous, but I think that's what will happen. Um, I'm a big believer in the Vikings. I have been since the beginning of the season. So um, Another game that uh, had an outcome that many did not see coming. The Atlanta Falcons versus the Washington Redskins. Atlanta, terrible team away from the Dome, terrible team on grass. They're 1-8 in their last nine games on grass. They just went in there and stuck it to Washington, 38-14. The key to this game was Atlanta started quick, had a couple first-quarter touchdowns, eventually had a 28-7 lead. The Redskins are a methodical offense. Run the ball, run the ball, play-action pass, Run the ball, run the ball, play action pass. Alex Smith throws like 10 yards down the field. AP picks up four. Carry, move the chain slowly but surely. Hold on to possession um, and then let your defense do your thing on the other side. But them getting down so much so quick forced the offense into doing things, one, they didn't want to do, and two, they really couldn't do. Just throw the ball downfield and play at an up-tempo pace. Um, so credit the Falcons for that. They're now Falcons currently sit at 4-4. Four and four. They have won three straight. 
Um, the NFC is going to be a dogfight to get in the playoffs. Those two wild cards, those vaunted wild card spots. I mean, I think the NFC South, Carolina at seven and one, or New Orleans at seven and one, excuse me, and Carolina at six and two. One of those teams is going to win the South. Uh, I don't think the Falcons have much of a chance there. But ten and six, that may not even get you uh, a wild card in the NFC. It's probably going to come down to some tiebreakers, some some sort of nonsense like that. So, but I mean, shout out to the Falcons. They got to keep winning. They keep winning. I mean, they control their own destiny, but they got eight more games to go. Um, one thing I will say about the Falcons: uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, and Tevin Coleman. Like those are great weapons. Um, those are some of the best weapons in the league. A quartet of weapons. Even with Devonte Freeman out for the season, the Falcons should have no trouble putting up points. It will be that defense that is very banged up. To their credit, though, they played uh, good against the Redskins. Um, Julio Jones had his first TD since late November 2017. Just a little nugget there. Pretty crazy fact for arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Now moving to the 4 o'clock slate, the afternoon slate. Uh, We had the Texans and the Broncos. This was a big game for both teams. Uh, The Broncos came in at 3-5. I know they sold with trading Demarius Thomas, but I know Elway still believes that that team, with a win, could compete for an AFC wildcard spot. The Texans were coming in winners of five straight after an 0-3 start, and the Texans ended up winning the game 19-17. Brandon McManus missed a 51-yarder to win the game as time was expiring. So the Broncos season is basically over at 3-6. and six. The Texans are just getting going at 6-3, and three, winners of six straight. Um, they currently lead the AFC South by a wide margin. Uh, the Colts and the Jaguars sit at 3-5. and five. And the Titans currently sit at 3-4. and four. They have a game tonight against the Cowboys, Monday Night Football. That'll be big. If the Titans also drop to 3-5 and five, and the Texans are sitting here with a, with a what? Uh what is that, three-and-a-half game lead on the division nine weeks in? I mean, you, you got to – if you're Bill O'Brien, you got to be sitting there after three weeks. If, if after three weeks someone would, would have told a Texans fan or told Bill O'Brien that you guys are going to be three games up on the division six weeks from now, I think they would have laughed in your face. But to their credit, um, they've been playing well. Uh, Deshaun Watson, um, his last two games – He's completing balls at the 75. I know it's not a huge sample size, but last two games. Completing ball at 75% clip, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 147 passer rating. Um, Deshaun Watson is playing like Deshaun Watson before he tore his ACL last season. Um, Next game on the list, we had the Chargers and the Seahawks. Um, Good game, really good game. Um, Two underrated teams for sure. Uh, The Chargers came in. Sitting at five and two, and the Seahawks came in at four and three. Um, the game was nine. The Chargers, of course, they always have their kicking woes. I believe they left five points on the table, missed field goal, two missed extra points. Caleb Sturgis probably probably be on the curb um, come next week. They're up nineteen to ten in the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson was. And the Seahawks were driving, looking to cut it to a one-score game. Wilson threw a pick, six, made it 25-10 because Sturgis missed the extra point. 
then then Seattle storms back down the field, scores a touchdown, 25-17. Chargers three and out, punt the ball back. Seattle storms down the field again. Um, they get a pass interference in the end zone as time is expiring. So they get one play at the one-yard line. False start drops them back to the six. Uh, so they need, they're down 25-17. Need a touchdown, two-point conversion. Russell Wilson scrambles around, throws a dime to the back of the end zone. Uh, I forget who the guy was, number 83. I forget his name for the Seahawks. Um, it got tipped, but it hit him in the chest. He dropped it. Seahawks lose. Um, I was sweating that one out. I had the under 48.5 touchdown there would have absolutely, or under 48 touchdown there would have absolutely fucked me. Um, but no, luckily, uh, Chargers came out on top. Like I said, I think Chargers are one of the most underrated teams in the league. Because um, it, it, it is weird, because coming into the season, the Chargers were kind of like a dark horse in the AFC. Like people were picking them to uh, have a good year and stuff. But now I think Kansas City has kind of overshadowed them because no one thought Kansas City was going to be what they are. Um, but the Chargers' only two losses are to the Chiefs and to the Rams. And they've been playing great uh, ball. So. Shout out to them. Um, Melvin Gordon getting healthy. Had a great game. 16 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. So, uh, Chargers definitely trending in the right direction. Um, and maybe the game of the weekend, maybe the game of the season um, between the New Orleans Saints and the LA Rams. Saints come in at 6 and 1. Rams come in at 8 and 0. Oh, only undefeated team left in the league. What a game. Okay, so the difference in this game was the first half. This is a statement loss for the Rams. What I mean by that is I think the Rams are just fine. They proved to everyone in that second half they'll be just fine. Even throughout the whole game, they proved they'll be just fine. That defense does need something. It needs, I don't, yes, playing Drew Brees in the Dome is tough for any defense to stop. They haven't been good all season. They've been giving up points out the ass. Um, and that offense has really kept them afloat. But for the Rams, positives to look at. They went into the half down 35-17. In the first half, they had a missed field goal from Zerline, who's one of the better kickers in the league. And they had a fake field goal that they got stopped inches short. I thought it was a first down. Even upon review, they said it was short. Um, that call could have gone either way. So... You're leaving 10 points out on the field right there, and they lost by 10 points. Um, in the second half, the Rams stormed back, and I thought they were going to win the game. Um, it was every time Goff got the ball, dime, 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 touchdown. Um, Goff finished 28 for 40 with 391, three TDs and a pick. Um, his counterpart, Drew Brees, finished 25 for 36, 346 yards, four touchdowns, and zero picks. Though both teams did have a turnover as Mark Ingram fumbled in the first half. Um, but yeah, I think this very well could be a um, NFC Championship game matchup, which would be a treat for all of us. Um, though I do, I know the Rams don't have much of a home field advantage. I think if you shift that game, even a neutral site, which the Rams stadium is basically a neutral site, but if you take that out of the dome, I think it's a different game. Though I would love to see a rematch from these two teams. Um, Another thing to know, Alvin uh, Kamara just proving he's one of the one of the best playmakers in the league. He had 23 touches, 116 yards, and three touchdowns. I think slowly but surely you're going to see Mark Ingram kind of phased out. I know his role has already been diminished, and his role is kind of that power back. 
but yeah, I just see Kamara's touches going up and up and up, and Ingram's going down, down, down. Anyway, uh, the final game um, of the night, Sunday Night Football, Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers traveling into Gillette to take on the Patriots. Patriots pretty much have a stronghold on the AFC East. Um, they didn't really have anything to worry about. I know they're trying to compete for that top spot in the AFC, trying to get that home field advantage against the Chiefs, because if it comes down to it, I think that will be huge. If you get Kansas City at home compared to Kansas City on the road, specifically against this New England team, I think it's a huge difference maker. I think it's like a touchdown swing right there. Um Packers really, really needed this one. Came in at 3-3-1. The two AFC North leaders already had won earlier in the day. Unfortunately, they didn't. Unfortunately for Packer fans, they didn't get it. Um, New England won 31-17. The turning point in this game was a Green Bay fumble. Again, a Green Bay fumble. You can't say it cost them the game this week, but it was a turning point. It was 17-17, mid-third quarter. Packers are driving, looking for the lead. Aaron Jones fumbles. Patriots go down the field, score a touchdown. Packers get the ball back, three and out, punt it off. Patriots go down the field, score a touchdown. 31-17, that's how it ended. Write it in stone. I mean, it's tough. You you make one little mistake like that, and you're going to be hard-pressed to beat a Tom Brady team. Uh, And the the sad thing for Aaron Rodgers, I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, but the sad thing for Rodgers is, I mean, it's not. This stuff isn't his fault. He, he's doing what he can um, with with uh, limited running game, uh, bad defense. Um, so, cannot blame this all on Rodgers. But he and him and the pa- rest of the Packers are really going to have to pick their shit up if they want to compete for a playoff spot. At three, four, and one, um, they're two games behind the Vikings and two and a half behind the division leading Bears. Their schedule does lighten up down the stretch. Um, They have the Dolphins at home. They travel to Seattle, travel to Minnesota. They get the Cardinals at home, the Falcons at home, travel to Chicago, travel to New York to take on the Jets, and then the Lions at home. I think you can pencil in um, the Dolphins, Cardinals, and Jets as three wins, uh, which takes them to 6-4-1. And And then you're going to have a huge game against the Bears in week week 15, Huge game against the Vikings in Week 12. Those are unfortunately for Green Bay, both on the road. So it'll be tough, but you never count out an Aaron Rodgers team. That is for certain. I've learned that the hard way. Uh, never count out 12 because what he can do on the football field is freaking amazing. All right, I mean, that was your football week. It, it, it was a really entertaining week for sure. We had some great matchups. Uh, we had some not-so-great matchups. Um, but yeah, another great week in football. The, the playoff picture is starting to shape and up after we've uh, we're we're more than halfway through. Uh, we're 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 what I would say is five innings through the game. Nine nine games through the seventeen week season. Five innings through the nine inning game. That's how I like to equate the bunch. Um, so this this uh, this home stretch will will be crucial for a lot of teams like the Packers, um, like the Falcons to try to get some wins on the board and compete for uh, those playoff spots. Um, So instead of NFL Power Rankings this week, I'm going to do um, the four teams from each division that I think currently can make the Super Bowl. 
in the AFC, you got to go with the obvious choices in the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. I think these two are on a pedestal way above um, any other team in the AFC. Uh, granted, I do like the Chargers. However, um, I think the Patriots and Chiefs have too much firepower. And I think these teams will ultimately meet up in the AFC Championship. Um, they both struggle on the defensive side of the ball. They have great head coaches, great quarterbacks, solid weapons. Um, for the Chiefs, great weapons. So that's all you really need because they're scoring about 30, 40 points a game. Um, and that's just going to be too – a team's going to be hard-pressed to keep them under 30. And like I said before, you can't get in a shootout with the Chiefs. Patriots are going to outsmart you. So I think those two are the top dogs in the AFC. But I'd say just a half tier below them or a full tier below them. I got the Los Angeles Chargers, 6-2. and two. Like I said, only lost to the Chiefs, only lost to the Rams. Phillip Rivers having one of his best seasons in his career. Melvin Gordon is back healthy, proven to be one of the better running backs in the league. And you got a, you got a pretty damn good receiving core with Terrell Williams, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen, one of the better trios of receivers in the league. Uh, all big body guys can go meet the ball at its high point. Uh, and kind of bail Phillip Rivers out sometimes when, he, when he's kind of does that little throw it up in the air on third and seven and, and hope hope they make a play. These guys are making those plays. They're setting the Chargers up nice, and the Chargers are winning game after game after game. Uh, in the fourth AFC team I have, this was a tough one, but I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. After that one, two, and one start, they've hit their stride. They're playing well. Like James, They should get Le- Le'Veon Bell back in two weeks. James Conner, even if they don't get Le'Veon back or even if they don't play Le'Veon that much, James Conner is more than a serviceable back. Serviceable back. You can pick up those short yardages. Good catcher out of the backfield, um, and he's producing. So there's really not much you can say about about that. Big Ben, you can see um, a dip from him. He's definitely getting older. Uh, that funny quote came uh, when, when, he, when he got roughed up on the sidelines uh, trying to scramble. And after the game, he said, I thought I was dead. Classic Big Ben. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I think you can you can tell that, that Ben, he's just made – not only is he, is he making some suspect decisions that I think will ultimately hurt the Steelers, but his, his accuracy just isn't what it used to be. Um, so I, I don't see this team even making the AFC Championship, but I think they are currently the fourth best team in the AFC. Moving over to the NFC, I think uh, this uh, America's Game of the Week matchup we saw between the Saints and the Rams are the two best teams in the NFC. They both have offenses that are out of this world. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, um, Ben. you can throw Ben Watson in there. Drew Brees makes him look good. Uh, the Saints have all the weapons you need, and on the other side, the Rams got Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. So, it's a battle of weapons between these guys, and then Jared Goff and Drew Brees. Jared Goff is proving he made some throws this Sunday that I was like, wow. He was threading the needle, putting the ball where receivers are going to be. Um, he was hitting guys right out of their break. I think it was a really impressive game from Goff. Uh, he definitely impressed me. He's, he's definitely creeping into that upper echelon of QBs because I know a lot of people um, – at the start of the season and last season, particularly, 
and at the start of this season. Wanted to give all the credit to uh, Sean McVay, um, which you should do. You, Sean McVay is one of the uh, the best um, schemers, offensive schemers in the league. He puts his team in position to make plays. But golf, ha- golf needs to get more credit than he is getting. Um, like I said, he's he's throwing dimes. He's making the right reads, making good decisions. For the most part, not turning the ball over. So Jared Goff, uh, shout out you. You deserve more credit than you're getting. Um, so behind the Rams and Saints, I think the Panthers are the clear-cut number three um, team in the NFC. Going about their business, um, no one's really talking about them that much, but they're winning week after week after week. I, I honestly think that game against the Giants, who the Giants are obviously now a dumpster fire, but that was in week three when Graham Gano hit that 63-yarder. I think that was huge. Um, no, that, was, that wasn't week three. That was like week four or five. Let me pull it up. Okay, so they they were okay. So the Panthers were coming into that game two and one. It was week five. Panthers had already had their bye. If you lose that game, you drop to two and two with two games in Washington and in Philadelphia and against Baltimore um, on the schedule. You're, you're looking at, you're you're looking tough there, but they obviously you know hit that field goal for them. And they are on a current three-game win streak um, against the Eagles, Ravens, and obviously Bucks this week. So I think I think all, all all trends up, all signs pointing up for the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, four point six yards per carry on the ground. He's already got fifty receptions this season, so he's doing it all for sure. Cam Newton's completing completing balls at a sixty-seven percent uh, clip, which is astronomically high for him. Um, and he's only he's only thrown four interceptions through eight games. So uh, definitely a good sign for the Panthers. Clear-cut number three team in the NFC. Um, and number four, to go a lot of ways here, I'm going to go to the Minnesota Vikings. I, I like what they did against the Lions this week. I think that defense is back um, to being the bullies that they have been over the past couple seasons. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is legit, definitely better than Case Keenum. We'll definitely get the, the thing is with Cousins, though, you never know. It's going to happen towards the end of the season and January. He's tended to fall off um, and kind of shrink when the moment gets big. So you kind of, kind of, I'm kind of banking on him not doing that because I am, I do love this Vikings team. But you got the weapons um, with Diggs, Thielen, and even Kyle Rudolph. Um, and then if Dalvin Cook is coming back healthy. That's a great sign for them. If not, Latavius Murray's been a serviceable backup for sure. I mean, I mean, I, I know they have three losses. Uh, that that game against the Bills was an absolute anomaly where they got crushed by three touchdowns against the Bills. The other, their other two losses are against the Rams and the Saints. So um, they were both close games. So don't count on the don't count out the Vikings. Um, I like what they're doing for sure. I think they will win win the NFC North. All right, so that's all I really got on the NFL side. Covered all the games. Uh, gave you who I thought are the real contenders in each uh, conference. So, I mean, we will see. Every week is going to provide a new twist in the NFL. Um, we all love to overreact, especially I, – I mean, people say we all love to overreact at the beginning of the season. I think people start overreacting the later the season gets because one big win by a team in, in – and people are ready to say, oh, this team can make a Super Bowl uh, run. Or one big loss, and people are ready to say, oh, this team, even though they still lead their division, they're, 
they're on the ropes. They're they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So I think the next next few weeks will be big to uh, shape up the playoff picture for sure. Um, do do a little quick touch on the college football week. Um, there there weren't too many uh, great games. Um, obviously Alabama went in there and decimated LSU. Um, I I saw not to toot my own horn because a lot of people saw that coming, but. I'm not a believer in LSU at all. I, I know they're probably going to finish the season at 10-2, and two, to their credit, because they finish up with Arkansas, Rice, and A&M. But I'm not a, I'm, I don't know, not a fan of this LSU team. Their defense is great. Their defense is one of the best in the country, but their offense is bad. And I'm not even saying that because I've been saying this for the whole damn season. Joe Burrow is not good, people. Joe Burrow is not good. Get that through your heads. Let me pull up his numbers real quick. This season, completing passes at a 53% clip. He's got six touchdowns and four interceptions. Not good at all. Like, that's terrible. That's terrible. Um, Yeah, I mean... I mean, credit to LSU, I guess, for, for beating Mississippi State, beating Georgia, beating Auburn, beating Miami. But I just I just don't 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 think this team is legitness, as some may say. Uh, they dropped to number nine in the AP top twenty five after that loss. Um, Michigan absolutely took it to Penn State. Penn State was ranked fourteenth. Uh, Michigan won forty two to fourteen. I I I like this Michigan team. Um, their defense is, I think, the best in the country. And Shea Patterson, though struggled to start the season, has started to come along very, very, very nicely um, against Penn State. He well, he had um, two touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. His mobility provides a new dynamic for them. And they have probably the best running back in the Big Ten, one of the best running backs in the country, Karan Higdon. Higdon went for uh, 132 yards on 20 attempts against Penn State. Uh, this man, if you don't know him, which I feel like a lot of people don't because he's kind of underrated, um, he's averaging 5.6 yards per carry this season, has almost 1,000 yards um, in nine games, and he's already got seven t- touchdowns. So Kron Higdon, definitely a force to reckon with. Um, obviously, his Michigan-Ohio State game. Michigan's got Rutgers in Indiana and then at Ohio State. So... Um, that game is going to be absolutely huge. Ohio State also has, uh, I mean, they play at Michigan State and at Maryland, but two should be wins. So I think these teams are going to be meeting up at 10-1 and one with not only the right to hold the rivalry for the next calendar year, not only the right to compete for a Big Ten championship, but the right to compete for a college football playoff spot because if – Whatever one of these teams, if they win out, they're in. They're 110% in. Cannot dispute it. I mean, Michigan's currently ranked fourth. I mean, it'll be interesting when the college football uh, – well, I don't even think it will be interesting uh, when the uh, college football selection show comes out on Tuesday. Michigan currently is number four in the AP poll, though the AP and the college football selection do differ sometimes. The only team that you could argue, I would say, to be above them is Georgia after their win over Kentucky. 
But, I mean, Michigan beat a top 15 team as well, and they beat them almost more handily than Georgia did with Kentucky. So I don't think you can, you can have Georgia jump them there. Um, but, yeah, uh, for sure Michigan is in a great, great spot. Good for them. Uh, big fan of Harbaugh, so good for them. Um, I guess the last big, the last big game of the weekend, of course, was my uh, Longhorns. Um, some, what I will say, and both sides can agree on this. That was the most. That was the most poorly officiated football game. I may have ever watched in my entire life. It was ridiculous how badly officiated that game was. Just off the top of my head, I'll start even with the West Virginia, um, on the West Virginia side. Uh, one of their O-linemen took like a little, he took an o well, I get, he took like an open-handed swing at one of our guys. Uh, he got ejected for it. That that's probably like the lowest of like, like yeah, you can argue either way here, but probably not. Um, so he got ejected. Uh, then West Virginia uh, flashed the horns down after a touchdown. and got it called on sportsman like penalty. Um, that's kind of BS, but fuck you if you do the horns down. So I'm glad they got that penalty. Um, then on our side, just absolutely the spotting of the ball was literally cost us points on points on points. Sam Allen, we had, we had fourth and one at like the five yard line. Sam Allinger ran it, was called a first down on the field. They reviewed it and they moved the ball back like a couple inches and said he was short. So like, what, what the fuck is that? Um. You couldn't even tell. He was in like a scrum of like five people. Couldn't tell where the ball was when his knee went down. That was ridiculous. And then in the fourth quarter, on a big third down, Ellinger ran to the sidelines, dove for it. Over. He was over the line. They marked him terrible. They gave him a terrible spot, marked him short, and they didn't even look at it, um, which forced a field goal attempt. Um, of course, Texas, we, sh- we still fucking should have won that game. Um, Will Greer with two minutes left, drove him down the field for a touchdown. Um, you know, our defense has got to sure some shit up. Um, overall, though, I mean, it was an unfortunate loss because now we don't control our own fate um, to make the college football or to make the Big 12 championship. we got a big game in Lubbock coming up next weekend. Um, but I got, we got to hope uh, West Virginia or Oklahoma loses. I mean, they, they do match up against each other. Uh, so when they match up against each other, if they both still have one loss in the Big 12, got to root for the Mountaineers because uh, if we're all 2-2-2, two, two, and two, or if got to root for the Mountaineers because um, it, it, they would hold the tiebreaker over us, obviously, because they beat us. Um, we hold the tiebreaker over the Sooners because we beat them. But I'm hoping one of these teams slips up, which but I don't think it'll happen, so... That is really t- that's 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 the toughest part about it is that uh, the poor officiating on top of the broken down defense at the end of the game uh, could have cost us a chance to compete for a Big Twelve championship, which would be really 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 unfortunate. However, even if we don't compete for a Big Twelve championship, if we finish the season up at nine and three, if we uh, we travel to Lubbock next week, it'll be a big game. 
Lubbock's a terrible place to play, tough place to play. Obviously, Michael Crabtree, uh, memories of that. Um, and then we got um, Iowa State at home, which is, dude, Iowa State, fucking Purdy and David Montgomery. They're the most underrated QB running back tandem in the country. Montgomery could be – Montgomery's probably top five back in the country. Brock Purdy is is a really good quarterback. He gets overshadowed by all the other great quarterback play in the Big 12. So that's going to be another tough game. And then we wrap it up with Kansas, which should be a win. Um, so if we can win these next three games, finish that 9-3, and 7-2 and two in conference. You tell me – the thing is, you tell me that at the beginning of the season – I'm taking it. I'm taking it for sure. Um, but you tell me that coming in at 6-1 and one to Stillwater and have that gut-wrenching loss in Stillwater and then a gut-wrenching loss against West Virginia. Um, now I'm just more pissed off. Um, it's annoying, but whatever. I mean, shit happens. Uh, just got to finish the season out strong. Three more wins. Need this game in Texas Tech. Need it over Iowa State. Um, you just got to hope some... Got to hope someone falls somewhere, uh, either Oklahoma or West Virginia. Uh, but, yeah, um, so, you know, it wasn't like a huge weekend in college football. There weren't like that many great matchups, but uh, you, had, you had your big storylines for sure. Um, and I will give you, before I go, last segment I'm going to do is if I was the college football committee, what I my top ten would be after this week. Number 10, I would have LSU. Like I said, I'm not a true believer in LSU. I don't think, um, like I said, Joe Burrow is not very good. I do think their defense is one of the best in the country, and they do have one of the better resumes in the country. It does four top 25 wins and um, only losses coming to Florida and Alabama. So I have them at number 10. Um, I have the Washington State uh I say Washington State Cougars at number nine. Uh, they escaped Cal 19-13 win. Um, a lot of people thought this game was going to be close, and it was close. Um, Washington State still has games at Colorado versus Arizona and the Apple Cup versus Washington. Um, I do think they're going to lose one of these games coming up. Um, but Gardner Minshew, their quarterback, is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He's quietly tearing it up. He has th- he's thrown for over 3,500 yards through nine games this season. Uh, so he ne- he deserves to get some more recognition. But I got Washington State at nine. On number eight, I got uh, West Virginia. Um, you know, obviously, obviously big win. Uh, that defense, though, their defense is not very good. Um, Will Greer is very good. Got to give him credit. Uh, the running game with uh, Petaway, good. Um, so they have a, they have a really balanced and really strong offensive attack. Um, yeah, so I got them at number eight in the country. However, I don't I don't think they have any chance. I don't think that. I mean, I, I guess if they win out completely and win the Big Twelve title and things go their way, I mean, they have a small chance to make uh, the college football playoff. But uh, it's tough tough for me to see that. Um, number seven, they got Ohio State. Uh, they were playing Nebraska close this weekend, uh, but eventually pulled it out. Five point win. That's coming off a of bye, coming off the Purdue loss. Ohio State's kind of looking like a mess, dude. I wouldn't be if they don't pick it up in the next two weeks and show me something. I would honestly not be surprised if Michigan came in to Columbus and rolled them, um, which would be a shocker. 
at the beginning of the season if you said that because this Ohio State team is one of the most talented teams in the country. That defense needs to sure some shit up for sh- for, for 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 sure. They need to sh- they need to sure it up for sure. Uh, Nick Bosa loss is big, 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 big. He's probably the, one of the best defensive players in the country. Got them at seven. I got Oklahoma at six. Uh, they played a really close game against Tech this weekend in Lubbock, and that's why I say playing in Lubbock is fucking ridiculous. So uh, 51-46, Oklahoma squeaked it out. Um, that defense is a problem um, for sure. But I think Kyler Murray is just too good. Um, I think they are going to beat West Virginia in the last game of the season and finish at 11-1. and um, that they just gotta hope um, someone someone at the top goes down, and that their resume stacks up um, against these other guys. Uh, number five, I got uh, the Georgia Bulldogs coming off a thirty-four seventeen win over Kentucky. I thought Kentucky was so overrated. Kentucky is not very good. Their defense is good. Their offense is nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, I was not a Kentucky guy, so I expected Georgia to go in there and beat them down like they did. So, I mean, no shock there from my point of view. Uh, number four, I got Michigan. Handled Penn State this weekend. Shea Patterson um, can do it with his legs, can do it in the, in the air. I think if, when, if, if and when they do make the college football playoff, he's going to struggle mightily, mightily against a defense like Alabama or Clemson should they play one of those two teams, which they will if they make the college football playoff. Um, so, yeah, uh, I would be interested to see him face a top-tier defense like that. But, I mean, can't, can't knock them right now. Michigan's 8-0 since that loss against Notre Dame to open up the season. Uh, and Notre Dame does chuck in at number three um, for me. I'm not all in on Notre Dame, though. Like, I haven't been. I'm not, I'm, I'm not there yet, and I don't know if I ever will get there. Um, they play their schedule for one. I mean, people will say it's, like, it's not that great of a schedule, and they play people way too, way too, way too close for my liking. I know I went over this last week, but eight-point win against Ball State at home, five-point win against Vandy at home, five-point win against Pitt at home, and now a twenty-point or ten-point win against Northwestern in Northwestern. Game was closer than ten points. It could have gone Northwestern's way. They just obviously don't have the talent to compete. Um, Notre Dame wraps up with FSU at home, Syracuse at home, which is now a very interesting game. Syracuse has only lost one game this season. It was two Clemson, um, or no, they've lost two. They lost Clemson and. Pitt, I want to say. But anyway, Syracuse team is pretty good. However, I feel like I feel like this is what's going to happen. Notre Dame like struggles with these teams. Like it's going to be almost like the Clemson NC State thing, even though Notre Dame has nowhere near the talent Clemson does. It's going to be like you struggle with a couple teams that you should easily beat. So then this team that's like ranked in the low in like the mid top 25 lower end is coming in. So people are giving them a chance, and then they just go in and blow them out. I could easily see that happening. Um, but the thing is, though, if Notre Dame gets knocked out, then there's a high chance a Big 12 team could slide in their place, which I would not fuck with. So I guess I'm rooting for Notre Dame uh, from here on out. But I have them at number three. And then I think in a tier of their own is Clemson. Absolutely crushed Bobby Tr- Petrino in Louisville, 77-16 this week. Um, they're clicking on all cylinders. Trevor Lawrence is the real deal for sure. Um, and that defensive line is, is four first-rounders. So, Then in another tier of their own, I have Bama. We saw them what they did to LSU. 29-0, absolutely shit-pumping. Whoever's saying, oh, they haven't played anyone. Oh, Tua is even that good. 
He hasn't played against anyone. Well, one, he has played against someone. It's called Georgia, and it's called in the national championship last year, and it's called he lit them up. So we'll uh, pump the brakes with he hasn't played anyone because he proved it on the biggest stage against one of the best defenses in the country. So sit down for that, please. And then you just go into LSU and absolutely crush them. I loved it. I'm a Bama hater, but I'm a Bama hater, but I'm more of a hater on haters on bigger haters of Bama. If that like if that can come full circle, um, people who are saying Bama like oh can't I don't want to give them credit because they haven't played anyone like Tua like he hasn't played a real defense like blah blah. No, Bama is just way better than everyone else, and Bama has so much more talent than everyone else that it doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't matter who they play. You're, you're, getting, you're getting stomped. Um, just quicker, uh, I, if Bama beats everyone this year, if they, if they go 12-0 in the regular season, win the SEC championship over Georgia, win two games in the college football playoff all by double digits, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, I could honestly see it happening, but that would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, I would, I would love to see that. That's for sure. Uh, before we go, I'm actually just curious for myself. I want to see what Bama is against the spread. Do 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 do. do. Oh shit! Because if they're undefeated against the spread this year, which they probably aren't. Fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. Um, but yeah, I mean, ever from two, like two had such a different dynamic because this Bama team, they're five and three against the spread. So, well, six and three now, six and three against the spread, okay. I was going to say, if you're dominating Vegas, there's no way. But uh, Bama's almost the same team as they've always been, um, Great defense, great running game. Najee Harris and what Damian? What the fuck is his name? I forget. Um, but anyway, the great running game, great defense, and now instead of a game manager at quarterback, they have a game changer at quarterback. It's just going to be so hard to stop these guys um, because you're not going to stop them. You can only slow them down, which means you got to put up at least. 20 to 30 points on their defense, which is in its own right impossible to do. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough overcoming overcoming the Crimson Tide this season. And next season, matter for that matter, because two is still going to be there. So <sighs> tough, tough for the rest of college football. Uh, the only two teams I could see giving – the only team I would give a, a, a chance to is Clemson. And then if you told me Michigan did it, Michigan could do it. I wouldn't believe you, but I wouldn't laugh you off. Any other team you say that can beat them, I would laugh you off. That is for sure. Um, so, yeah, it's another edition of the SQ Sports Pod, uh, the football recap weekend. Um, we're getting into the latter stages where people are starting to talk about playoffs, which is always fun for sure. Um, should be another fun week next week. Um, and like always, follow us on Twitter at SQ underscore sports. Follow us on Instagram at SQ Sports. Uh, read our website, sqsports.wordpress.com, and be looking for a pod on Thursday or Friday uh, about the NBA. Uh, so thanks, guys. Catch you later. Peace. All of the lights, all of the lights, all of the-
Baby, extra bright, I want y'all to see. 